Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the events of this week that have led up to today. We thank you for all the different paths that you have put each of us on with you leading us, and they have all led to this place at this time to hear from your word. Lord, we thank you for your power. We thank you that you are a living God. We thank you that you indwell us with your power through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to hear what you have for us this morning. That the seeds of your truth may be buried deep, deep within us. That the, the birds of this world, or of our own minds, will not peck them out, but that they will grow and bear much fruit. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a certain part of the day, every day, seems like, in the early to mid-afternoon that everyone seems to experience in one way or another where you feel what? You feel sluggish and tired and you're just dragging at that point. There's actually a term for that. It's called the afternoon slump. There's actually an, a legitimate term for that. It occurs sometime in between the hours of 1 and 3 in the afternoon, every day. I remember I never really felt the effects of the afternoon slump until I got to high school and college. I distinctly remember this one class I had immediately following lunch where I just had the hardest time keeping myself from giving into that early morning fatigue. It's just this one class is just so difficult. I had so much trouble with it that I have to admit, at one point, I came up with this technique whereby I would let my eyes go out of focus while technically keeping them open. And so it looked like I wasn't letting my mind go off everywhere else but what the teacher was talking about. And I thought I was so clever when I came up with that technique, but now that I think about it, years later, I am sure that it was still obvious to, to my poor teacher. Some of you think you can get away with that on Sunday mornings. And I can tell. You're not, you're not fooling me. I can tell. It seems during that time of extreme sluggishness in that afternoon period, during the same time every day, that there's no relief from it, right? And sometimes that state of sluggishness carries over into entire seasons of life. We go through seasons where life feels so heavy that we just feel beaten down and we'll never be able to get back up. We feel like we can't pray. We feel like we can't do the things we know God wants us to do. And it feels like we're just going through the motions of everyday life, thinking maybe tomorrow will be better. Let me just get through today. Maybe tomorrow will be better. It's especially in those seasons of life that we need spiritual rejuvenation. We need a spark, a breath of fresh air, something to get us energized, motivated, and excited about carrying out God's mission through the life He's given to us and the people He's put in our lives. 
The Thessalonians that Paul is writing to were experiencing that very season of life. When Paul was with them, they had life and energy and excitement to turn their city upside down for Jesus. Then the wave of persecution came crashing down against the church, and Paul had to leave town suddenly, and they were left with no apostolic authority. They were left with confusion, and they were left with heartbreak. That persecution didn't end when Paul left. That persecution did not let up. There was a good chance that some in their church even died as a result of that persecution. Several in their church, with an incomplete understanding of end times events, had even disbanded the church and fled into the hills. There was this permeating depression of hopelessness amidst these deaths, thinking they were already in the, the horrific world event known as the Great Tribulation and ever-increasing persecution. Paul had cleared up their misunderstanding of end time sequences of events and stilled in them the hope of Jesus' future return for them, given them the importance of continued symbiotic strengthening of their church, like we talked about last week. And now he's giving them the source of where any spark, excitement, and motivation for continuing on living out their faith comes from. The Thessalonians desperately needed to hear this message of spiritual rejuvenation. And many of you sitting here today desperately need to hear this message of spiritual rejuvenation. For new breath, a new spark, new hope, new excitement for continuing to live your life in faith. This is a timeless message. It's not bound by culture circumstances or level of depression or hopelessness it's the same source of hope and power for anyone regardless of the season that they're in the weight of darkness or level of attack from the enemy of our souls what is this message we must always be reminded of no matter the opposition we face on any day of our lives we're first going to look at the simple declaration of that power today and then next week, we're going to talk about how to preserve that power as we go forward. See, this is how we are as humans. We're reminded of a simple truth that God energizes us. And then what happens? The very next thing, the very next difficult thing in life comes along. And any God-given power is what? Immediately drained away from us. It's gone. It's one thing to have pointed out where our power comes from. It's another to have a plan on how to preserve that power so that it doesn't immediately drain out by the next difficulty that comes along. So if you're here today, we're going to be talking about where that power comes from. Next, plan on coming next week so you can know how to preserve that power. First, let's talk about this source of power. If we think about powering a simple electrical device let's say a light bulb, no matter how much I will for that light bulb to light, if I just brought a light bulb up with me and I held onto it as tight as I could and willed that light bulb to light up, is it going to light up? No. It still needs to be plugged into a power source. It, it doesn't light until it's plugged into a source of power. 
That's the first thing we have to either learn for the first time today or be reminded of and drill into our minds. No matter how hard we try, we in and of ourselves cannot manufacture the power to come out of depression, hopelessness, or a rut. It originates from another source outside of us, and all we can do is plug into that power source. That power source that originates outside of us as human beings, of course, is God. We are all born unplugged from that power source because we are all born sinners. It's only when we recognize the extent of our sinfulness and how that remains the only separator from God as our power source and recognize that it's only Jesus' sacrifice as payment for that sin and resurrection to give us the opportunity to plug into God that we can be restored to God and receive His power over sin, fear, anxiety, and worry. But it must start there. The power source becomes a part of who we are when we give our lives to God through Jesus. And the Holy Spirit immediately comes and makes a home inside of us. It would be great if that was it and there was no upkeep. But the things of this life get in the way, right? And just like with a car, the dirt, grime, and wearing out of sin, fear, worry, selfishness, and pride builds up. And we enter a season of constantly feeling like we can't start up. It just won't work. Along with other things, our spark plugs get so grimed up that they will no longer ignite. See, just like with spark plugs or an electrical plug, that power source is always there. Somebody didn't just come and steal the spark plugs. They were always there. The power source is always there for us as believers in Jesus because we're permanently indwelt with the Holy Spirit. But the problem is, is that we allow all the grime and corrosion of our humanity and living in this world to diminish that connection and decrease the chances of ignition. We clean all that corrosion and grime off by repentance. We repent of anything we've placed in between us and God that we have voluntarily diminished the connection to that power source with. It could be sin. It could be giving in to fear or worry, allowing it to debilitate us. It could be giving in to our selfishness and our pride. That's the first step, cleaning that up, cleaning everything up repenting. The next step is securing that connection to the power source. Sometimes in the dark we'll trip over an electrical cord or uh, of a lamp or something and then what? We go on to turn that lamp on the next day and what happens? It doesn't turn on. Or the light comes on, blinks. It's sporadic that it comes on. Upon exploration we discover that while the plug is still technically in the socket, it didn't come all the way out, it's been jarred, and it no longer has the same full connection that it once did. You don't need to jump on your phone or computer and go Google all the solutions for that, do you? You know what you need to do. Secure the connection. It's obvious and it's simple. You get down on your knees, 
and you pl plug it fully back in again. I hope you catch that metaphor, that image. In other words, you secure that connection that became jarred and sporadic back to the full connection to the power source it once had. All of the electrical cores that power those big appliances like a refrigerator or a computer or TV all have what kind of plug? It's got three prongs instead of two, right? I'm sure someone with electrical experience will come up to me after this and tell me how inaccurate I am. But <laughs> the way that I see it is not only do those three prongs supply the necessary amount of power to those larger appliances, they strengthen that connection between that appliance and its power source. I realize that this illustration is going to be outdated in the next few years as I just read a tech article this week about that, that documented the invention of a device that has just been approved by the FCC for the broadcasting of wireless electricity, but we see this three-prong illustration of keeping that power connection strong described for us in the first half of, of, of uh, this passage that we're covering today, and we'll cover the second half uh, next week. There are three ways, like a three-pronged electrical plug, that Paul points out for us to plug into in order to have as strong of a connection to our power source of the Holy Spirit is possible. And so the first prong is the power of joy. The power of joy. Here's the first way. First, first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16. Rejoice always. You think the verse goes on long, longer than that, but that's it. Rejoice always. When I was a kid growing up in Sunday school, the teacher would give out candy to any kid who would recite a memory verse to her. I remember that many of us kids came up with a way to ensure that we got that candy. What did we do? We recited the shortest verse in the Bible until our teacher got wise. And that was John 11.35. Jesus wept. Could only get away with that for so long. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 is also a pretty short verse. Also only two words long. But two of the most powerful words we could hear and live out. Rejoice always. Wow. How is that even possible? Something so simple and yet so hard to live out on a daily basis. Rejoice always. To a church under persecution, those would have been incredibly powerful words, wouldn't they have been? How could Paul expect the persecuted and misunderstood Thessalonians to take those words seriously? Because it was one of their only sources of power to continue, even under that crushing burden of persecution and confusion. Why is this a crucial source of power? The Apostle James had already written something very similar in his letter that was circulated around the churches already in existence between the years of 45 to 48 AD. How did Paul know what James wrote? We learn from Acts 11 that the church in Antioch, which was very influential in Paul's life, was possibly established by those running from the great per Jerusalem persecution of which Paul was the main instigator at one point. 
The Antiochian church would have therefore been one of those churches to get James's letter at one point and pass the messages found in it to Paul when he and Barnabas ministered there for a year. This is what James wrote, which the Holy Spirit probably brought to Paul's mind when Paul wrote this first letter to the Thessalonians. James says, Consider it all, all of it, my joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. You would think, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you are on top of every mountaintop. Right? But no, he says, when you encounter various trials. And this is why. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. See, it's a process. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, we don't need self-help books or Oprah to tell us how to feel full of life. We've already been given exactly what that is. It doesn't feel good. We don't necessarily like it. But the only way God grows us to be complete and ideally lacking no amount of faith in every situation is by allowing difficult times into our lives. Seems counterintuitive. But that's the first thing we need to realize about God's empower, um, empowerment. Our difficult seasons are not to crush us or drive us to go hide under a rock. Those are not the purposes of those difficult seasons. They are meant to empower us. That's a hugely different way of looking at everything, isn't it? Those things that we naturally want to run away from because of our lack of faith are exactly the things God uses to grow our faith so that we are not controlled by those situations. That, in and of itself, is enough for us to be able to rejoice always and to consider it all joy. You know why? Because it truly does free us to find joy in every, and I mean every situation and season of our lives. Our happy and celebratory seasons are meant as a source of joy and our dark and difficult seasons are meant as a source of joy because God's using them to stretch and grow our faith. That's a radically different message than everyone else in the world is talking about. It goes against everything we feel naturally as humans. But if we look at everything this way, God's way, it puts everything into a new perspective. That's why it's a source of power. A, because it strips the negative power from the difficult situation. And B, because it infuses God's perspective into that situation and therefore makes it a source of joy empower. It's very hard for the power of the difficult situation to strip you of God's power of joy when God's power of joy is actively stripping the situation of its power. We don't need to be held by the power of the darkness of a difficult situation because it's a mirage in comparison with God opening our eyes as to the true purpose of what we're going through. Here's what we always have to remember, no matter what the situation is. Every trial, 
every difficult season, every dark season is meant to grow our faith. There is a reason for it. There is a purpose of it behind it. And it is meant to grow our faith and make us a more complete child of God. No trial is ever meant to destroy us. Every trial is meant to grow us and to make us a more complete child of God. So the first prong is the power of joy. The second prong is the power of prayer. The second prong of strengthening this power source is found in verse 17. Pray without ceasing. That's also a very short verse. As every trial grows our faith and therefore our joy, what else grows? Our prayers. Our prayers grow. When I, when I led the youth group back at the church in Philadelphia, I was at previously, and I had the kids pray at the beginning of every meeting. For every kid, it was usually, this is what it was, Dear Jesus, and the long laundry list of things that they wanted. Amen. In a way, their prayers reflected the level of growth of faith that they had, the level of faith that they had at that point. As we grow... Because of trials and experiencing joy in every situation, our prayers deepen. Our prayers get bigger. It becomes easier to pray because the way we pray grows. Our prayers become less and less about the things we want and more and more for intercessing on behalf of others having closer and deeper experiences with God in prayer, crying out for chains to be broken that had previously been hidden, faithfully praying for miraculous healing and the salvation of others' souls, and movements and revivals of the Holy Spirit within us, our families, our church, and our community. But those deeper and deeper levels of prayer would not even be realized unless we went through certain trials and unless we found joy in those trials and allowed God to grow us in our faith because of those trials. These deeper levels of prayer open up even more ways for the Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us more peace, and to embolden us to courageously step out more and more to tell others about the saving power of Jesus. You see how it all connects? All of these power sources flow into each other and push each other. They all push each other to greater and greater levels of spiritual power. And as we embrace trials with joy, indeed rejoicing no matter the circumstances, our prayers deepen and grow. And as our prayers deepen and grow, God will allow situations that will stretch our faith even more and so on and so on. And we'll see the Spirit move like never before. I can see the wheels turning in your minds and you're thinking, why in the world would I want that? Why in the world would I want greater trials in my life? Here's the thing. It's exactly what James says. I'll back up here. It's exactly what James says. Our lives, look at the end of this with me. Our lives will never feel as complete and whole and full as God created them to be unless we open ourselves up to all of this happening, to all of this whole process happening. 
we will always feel unfulfilled and that we could have been more, done more, and experienced more for the growth of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And isn't that one of the reasons we've been saved in the first place? We have not been saved just so we can have a nice, comfortable life. That doesn't exist in God's kingdom. Does your life feel incomplete, unfulfilled, and powerless in ways? This is why, and this is what you need. This is what all of us need. This is what we all need, for as we all open ourselves up more and more to this, the Spirit will move more and more in our lives, in our families' lives, and in our church's life. Souls will be added to God's kingdom. His work will explode in our lives in church. Chains will be broken, and we will all experience deeper and deeper levels of God's presence, healing, and power. And I think all of us want that. Recently, I had my family's van battery die. The problem is that we accidentally left the interior lights on all night. And by the time I tried starting it the next day, there was so little juice in it, there wasn't enough to start the engine. Anyone else ever do that? Or am I the only one that's done that here? <laughs> What can you do at that point? You find someone else who's nice enough to jump your car, and then your alternator in your car takes over and recharges your battery, right? But we first need that jump start. We first need that spark to get things going. We may be sitting here thinking, I want to see God powerfully at work in my life, in my family's life, and in my church's life, but I just don't have the juice to see that happening. Opening yourself up to this process instead of hating it or running away from it or doing everything you can to avoid it will recharge the battery of your faith and give you more and more power to do more and more things for God and see His Spirit move in more and more powerful ways. So we have the power of joy, the power of prayer, and thirdly, we have the power of thanksgiving. When we open ourselves up to the growth that comes from trials and look for joy in them, even if it's only in the basic truth that it's stretching and growing us, and our prayers grow and deepen, which leads to even more growth and even more of the movement of the Spirit's power, we can confidently do the third prong of Paul's message here in verse 18. In everything, give thanks. And all three of these things are God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When we're letting our circumstances control us, and we're letting our circumstances have the power over us, and drain us of our Holy Spirit-given power, there's no wonder why it's the last thing on our minds to thank God for what we're going through. 
that thought would be consciously rejected and disdainfully laughed away. As the first two prongs of power flow into each other, they flow into the third and vice versa. Paul writes something very similar to the Philippian church when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Look at the similar themes that are found in this passage compared to the passage we are reading in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanks, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's very, very similar to what we just read in chapter 5, isn't it? Getting a bunch of blank stares here. That's very similar to what we just read in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in your prayers. It's the same exact three-prong approach in that passage of 1 Thessalonians 4. We see especially here in Philippians 4 that when we do this, when we follow this process, God will give his peace, which is not connected to any human creation or experience, and that peace will stand guard over our hearts with the power of Jesus Christ. I don't think there's anyone here, if I said, does anyone here want to continue living their life with just being affected by everything that comes along and that is what controls them and that is what controls their feelings and that is what controls their outlook on life. Does anybody here want to continue to live that way? No, we all want to break free from that. We all want to have our hearts and our minds, those things that we go over in our minds in the middle of the night that make us not be able to go to sleep, don't you want your heart and mind guarded over with the power of Christ Jesus? Amen? That thankfulness, which can only stem from joy in trials and growing prayer, is what leads to what Paul can honestly and confidently tell the Philippian believers next. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. In other words, being content and having peace. Here's why. I can do all things. I can go through any situation. I can go through any circumstance. I can go through any dark road through him who strengthens me. Not by my own power, not by any willpower, mental tenacity, or strength that I think I have. But I can go through any situation and not have it affect me and not have it be in control over me only through the one who strengthens me. There is a quiet power that comes from the peace that only God can give us. And he gives us that peace and joy through trials and growing prayer. That's the only place it comes from. It's a strong 
and steadfast resolve, unwavering in faith, knowing that every trial is meant to empower us even more. That gives us the strength that Paul had to enter any and every situation, not knowing what he was going to eat next, not knowing what was going to happen to him next, but having the peace of knowing that as long as he surrendered himself to doing what God had called him to do, God would take care of all of that. That faith grown in the crucible of trials and finding joy in the midst of those trials because of the knowledge of the empowerment of those trials which flows in and out of a deeper and greater prayer life calling the spirit to move in even more and more powerful ways and instilling a steadfast confidence with which we can always be in a spirit of thankfulness is exactly what Paul describes in verse 18 as God's will for us in the faith he's given to us through Jesus it's the same thing as saying as Paul says elsewhere this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ what God is doing in our lives will continue until we all mature in the Lord. Not measuring up to the most spiritual or righteous person in the church, but measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That is God's goal for us. That is God's purpose for us. And isn't the full and complete standard of Christ exactly what James says the whole purpose of our trials are? as we come full circle to where we started this morning, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It all comes right back. So there it is. Next week we'll talk about the preservation of that power, so that it will not drain out with the next mountain we encounter. See, we like Philippians 4. We like this verse, this passage, and for good reason. But 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, that we just read through this morning, are the exact same thing, but in fewer words. Memorize them. Memorize 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. They are the empowerment to weakness. They are the fulfillment to emptiness. They are the hope to darkness. They are God's plan and God's goal for every believer in Jesus. Don't leave this place unchanged today, but open yourself up to completely to God's full plan for your life and allow Him to use you as powerfully as possible as you experience the joy and the peace and the growth of God like never before. And through this surrender, may we as one body see the movement of the Holy Spirit in us, in our families, and in our church like never before. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this powerful message found in your word. We thank you that it reveals to us and points out to us the truth of life 
that those painful, dark times we go through are not for no reason, are not purposeless, but they are always to stretch us and grow our faith in you so that our prayers deepen and your spirit moves more and more. More chains are broken. More freedom is given. Lord, I pray that we would not run away from these things. But Lord, I pray that we would embrace them. And that as one body, we together, as we experience the various trials, as James wrote about, in our lives, that we would recognize all together what the purpose of those various trials are. Give all the glory to you. Cry out to you that your purpose will be fulfilled and see our faith grow like never before. And we pray all these things in the power of Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please stand with me as we close out our time this morning.